you know what? Like all along, I've been wanting to. When I see those babies up on screen, I just want to bite into one of them. <laughs> what the fuck? Would you want to bite into a baby? <laughs> Welcome to Digressions Include, a conversational podcast between your hosts, Hoda Osman and Dina Marliana, as we ramble through a topic and see where it lands us. Hello! So, hi everyone! <laughs> I know we skipped a week last week, um, uh, it was kind of sad because, yeah, technical issues, but we're back this week. How was, how was your week, Huda? How has it been? What have you been up to? Um, the week's been alright. Uh, I was quite disappointed that we couldn't um, do the recording last week. And I was quite disappointed that we couldn't post anything up for our fans. <laughs> if we have any. The four of y'all yeah. yeah, all four of y'all. Shout out to y'all. <laughs> um, but, but at the end of the week on Friday, we all four of us... Uh, decided that we wanted to celebrate our 10 year friendship anniversary and we ended up getting piercings and got our nails done so that was fun <laughs> I, I was so excited for that and I'm still obsessed over my nails they're so pretty <laughs> yeah they're really pretty yeah. Like, but the only thing about gel nails is that it's so hard to remove so we gotta plan a time to go back and get it removed also. yeah and the the thing is, is yeah. like this is my first time ever getting a manicure and I I did not know like I did I never knew what was the big deal about it but now I know it's so like oh my god I'm, it's so cute I can't get over it <laughs> it's relaxing and then you get to talk to your nail artist and then you're just like oh okay and then at the end you walk away with really you know nobody really cares but actually you walk away with such like loving yourself a little bit yeah more. and it feels so dainty I finally feel like a, a woman <laughs> <laughs> How about you? How has your week been? Uh, same thing. The usual work has been really tough. Uh, quite stressful. We got a new project coming in, so ah, uh, the usual. But the but the week wrapped up nicely with our ten year friendship celebration. Yeah. So that was that was cute. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed that. <laughs> okay, so um, to, uh, this week Huda and I will be discussing uh horror movies. In a in particular, one Indonesian horror film. Yay! Clearly, we're both very big fans of uh, movies and use it a tool to distress. Uh, what we're constantly on the lookout for are horror features. So, with horror, the elements of reality and supernatural needs to be balanced. Otherwise, it wouldn't be effective. So, what are some of the elements that you think are important to you when you're watching a horror? Um. Well, for me, it's a combination of like. I think a sense of dread and uh, you can't miss out on the creep factor. Like if it leaves a lingering feeling and it makes me paranoid and I can't sleep at night, then that's what I'm seeking. Otherwise, like for what, right? But I think the first movie that ignited this, like this factors of, of what I look for in a horror movie is one of Susanna's films. Um, so if y'all don't know, Susanna is this legendary Indonesian actress who's super well-known for her portrayals of the Miss P characters. I want to say Puntiana, but I'm scared. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 10 a.m. where we're... Uh, 10 p.m. when we're recording this. Yeah, so, so we might not want to step on her toes as of yet. <laughs> so, um... 
And, and one of her movies was what made me, you know, feel at an extreme unease. I don't know what the movie's called, and I honestly just managed to watch one scene. Uh, but that scene has been ingrained in my my mind since I was like nine. Uh, it's actually one of her carrying a baby in the middle of a forest, and she's dressed in the long white gown that, like, basically the the entire Miss P garb lah. Then she takes a seat on one of the trees with like sprawling roots and the effect makes it such that it looks like her entrails are trailing beneath her and that looked oh God. like super do you do you remember this scene do you <laughs> i don't know i was gonna ask you like is this sundal bolong i i don't know it might be because i was researching mm. it um and then but i i can't tell because i don't know what movie it was i think i just saw that that scene while my dad was watching it and right. Yeah, and then I just stepped out. I'm like, okay, you know what? No, this is not for me. <laughs> so, yeah, that was all I watched. And I didn't make it through the entire movie. But, yeah, I think I watched it at 7. And that's been, like, the archetype of what horror means to me. And I slept with the lights on for years after that. Oh, God. Just hearing you describe all of that, right? I'm just imagining the whole thing. <laughs> I'm getting creeped out already, so... <laughs> I yeah. know we're barely getting started, but it's okay. I'm just gonna distract myself. So you have that. Yeah. What uh, about you? Your first uh, introduction to horror. <laughs> uh, for me, uh, what's the elements that are important um, when it comes to watching horror is that it has to be the storyline, because mm. I mean you can have like scary elements and like shock factors here and there jump scares whatever but without a really good solid storyline you basically have like nothing yeah it's like pretty much walking into a haunted house and just like okay that's it yeah i completely agree because like there's nothing to root you to yeah to 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 anything essentially yeah and and because like the the supernatural world is so foreign and it's it seems like so distant some people might not even believe in it right but when you watch a, a horror movie it's like it it gives you a chance to get to know the that world and a good solid storyline usually can carry through you know what is trying the message that is trying to convey mm. and then i think to me that that's that's really important also because i feel like uh we live in a world where there may or may not be ghosts living with us you know yeah. so to see that reality parallel us in a movie like for example you know you have a family that's being haunted by a, a group of like ghosts something that you it can happen to us yeah like that, that's uh, yeah i kind of want to see that it has yeah, to be relatable yeah. it has to be relatable. yeah and, and i think yeah. for horror movies as well what's what needs to be there is that the suspension of this belief has to be just right mm, otherwise mm-mm. you can never get into it yeah exactly exactly yeah. nothing over the top like nothing like it has to be just right yeah to make it believable but also at the same time it's like the can this really happen you know? exactly like yeah. um the indonesian films in during susana's time was really effective because i think like the even though it was a little over the top the suspension of disbelief was still there like I think people still experience that sort of horror amongst them. But mm. now, I think Indonesian horror has gone downhill quite a bit, no? Mm, I mean, if you're talking about storylines, maybe. Mm. But if you're talking about cinematic skill and technique, I think it is, it's gone like way beyond its years. Really? Be I really? think so. Maybe I, I I've just so. watched like 
really shitty B grade movies. Yeah. <laughs> because, because um yeah, because in terms of storyline, like at least ones that I've seen like mindlessly on TV, mm. uh, Indonesian TV, it's it's pretty much blah and like recycled so many times. Yeah. But what I've seen improve is like really the 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 quality of the production. Oh okay. Yeah. So maybe you can introduce us to some later on. Yeah, maybe yeah. Okay, so I mean, since we're talking about horrors, I'm pretty sure we have a few favorites, right? So Huda, maybe hmm. you can tell me what are some of your favorite horrors. Um, I think one of my favorite classics is Rosemary's Baby. Like we watched that during the pandemic together. Mm. Well, during the lockdown together, we were trying to figure out like what movies to watch, and then mm. Rosemary's Baby ended up on Netflix, and we we're like, okay, let's do this. And honestly, I had no expectations, but after watching it, it beats Exorcist. Perhaps it's credit to the runtime, but it really built on the feeling of dread and ultimately got wrapped up in the hopelessness of all of it. So mm. I think that was a really effective film. Yeah, because Rosemary's Baby uh, is a true cult classic, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like your typical jump scare ghost kind of movie, but it, it plays along the elements of like witchcraft, the devil. So it's pretty much, how would I say it? Relatable still Yeah So at the same time It's like Okay What You know yeah. What's going on Yeah <laughs> And I think uh, Like the plot And the characters Were pretty progressive For that time And for mm. it to have been Directed by You know The director I thought it was A pretty progressive Storyline yeah, For something that's Like made in the 60s It's pretty fu- Yeah it's Exactly pretty to me, yeah. <laughs> Exactly And having Polanski Behind the camera Yeah I mean, exactly Yeah But how about yours What about your favourite I was thinking a lot about this one. There's, I actually, and I actually adore a few, mm-hmm. but I think the one movie that stuck out to me till today, which means it encapsulates a good storyline, good suspension of like disbelief, everything. It's got to be the Insidious series. Yeah, okay. but only the one and two. The yeah, afterwards, after trash. Yeah, it's it's a downward hill. Yeah, yeah from from then yeah. on. I tried to watch the one on Netflix, like I think it was the fourth or fifth one, and I, I couldn't even get through the first 10 minutes. Yeah, it's it's so bad. So the first and the second one, yeah, it's really, really good. The The scare factor is there, the storyline is there, the chemistry between the main c- characters were there, mm-hmm. and it's just all around very wholesome. There's yeah. a message that they're trying to send, with all horror movies, I feel, that yeah. is wholesome and with you know with western horrors you typically get like really blah vibes but yeah insidious is pretty much well done in my opinion yeah. yeah i think the other one to accompany that is the one that james Wan did um the first uh what did i forgot conjuring it, conjuring yeah i think conjuring yeah. was really really effective yeah conjuring was good too yeah, yeah i think that storyline is quite solid as well mm. for for western horror right yeah Mm. But like ultimately, like I said, I think, um, like Asian horror used to beat everything else in the in the ranking for me, because uh, I think it's more relatable and we see ourselves in the shoes of whatever's happening on screen. And for a while, like Japan and Thailand produced really good quality horror films. There mm. was like Shutter, there was Shutter, Ju-On. Yeah, yeah that, those were legendary. Ju-On, yes. Ju-on. Yeah. <laughs> that literally like followed us to sleep, right? I could not yeah. sleep after watching Ju-On. 
<laughs> but I mean, like, uh, like I said earlier, I think. Well, at least I think probably because I'm not exposed, uh, to the Asian horror movies that's been produced here. But I feel like there's been a downward spiral as to, um, the movies being produced in Asia, particularly, uh, mm. because they tend to be a lot more tacky. Now, in terms of the storyline, or maybe they they've just recycled a lot of the storylines over there, like you said. But mm. one of the most effective directors, I feel, to have come out of the new millennium, um, is opening up the pit again. You know who I'm talking about? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> who, who is it? <laughs> uh, I mean, who who else can it be? But the great Joko Anwar. Joko yeah. Anwar, sponsor Joko us. Anwar. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't sponsor us, please. I don't want to be in any of your movies. <laughs> <laughs> I do, please. No. I can be your next superhero. <laughs> yeah, so if, if, if you're wondering who Joko Anoa is, he is an Indonesian film director, producer, screenwriter, and also actor. Also, Although I haven't seen him act in anything, but yeah, apparently it, he's an actor too. Probably like cameos. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so prior to becoming a filmmaker, he, he worked as a journalist and a film critic. He writes mostly scripts. But only it wasn't until like quite recent that he started fi- directing his own stuff. So mm. in total, the number of films he directed was only about eight. Mm. And if you think that he does mostly horror, on the contrary, not really. That was quite a revelation when I was like researching him. Oh, okay. And I realized that there are some movies that I've watched that were written by him, and I never realized it. Like what? Um, there's this movie called uh, Quickie Express. So basically, it. It's a movie set in the if I'm not wrong seventies or eighties where that, that sounds it, so familiar. Yeah, so basically it, it revolves uh, the movie revolves around a male gigolo and his life. Oh, yeah. Okay. So the the main character is Tora Sudiro. Yeah, I don't yes. know who that is. Yeah, so he's this guy <laughs> who's like heavily tattered in, in Indonesian film. Oh, oh you showed yeah. me him before. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right. So he's he's yeah, he mostly acts in, in movies. So yeah, I I watched that with um my yeah <laughs> with my uh <laughs> with my um yeah friend uh and I didn't realize he, he uh, Joko Anwar actually wrote it because the storyline is pretty interesting for that age period. Uh, let me just uh wait, Google real quick when it's like made. Okay. Okay, so it was made in 2007 and it was set in... I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't say when it's set in, but it felt like it was set in the 80s or 70s. It had those vibes. Oh. So it follows along like a male gigolo in Indonesia trying to like make money and things like that. So it, that that was pretty interesting mm. to me. Yeah. And then there, there's another movie that I watched recently. It's called uh, Fixie, which is in English it's called Fiction. Um, also written by him Not directed but written by him and Oh it was directed by him? By it's Joko? Not, it's not, oh it's is not, it like It's written by Joko? It's written by Joko And this uh, and, her, and the director herself Oh that's cool I didn't yeah. know that Yeah I didn't know that also Until I Googled, I wikied the, the movie So I was like oh, Okay that's interesting That explains Why it's so strange Oh. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, Joko Anwar. Yeah, Dina okay. was telling me all about Fixie while we were walking somewhere the other, the other day. It was a long mm. walk and she was mm. telling me like the entire storyline and I'm like, oh my god, that sounds so fascinating. Yeah. But yeah, explains explains that why Joko was behind like the, the production of it. 
Then of course you have like all the other horror movies that you that we know so like mm. Satan Slaves which is Pengabdi Setan and then after we have uh, Impetigor which is Perempuan Tanah Jahanam which we are going to talk about in a short while. He also does like superhero movies. Huda and I and a friend also watched <laughs> uh, Gundala <laughs> which he directed and he uh, wrote also. So yeah. Gundala is a superhero an Indonesian superhero movie. I think Gundala so. was like really well executed despite the fact that I think there were gaps in the storyline that could yeah. have been better. I think yeah. Gundala was really well executed for a superhero movie made in yeah. Asia. Like wow, yeah. it's beyond yeah. what I expected. Yeah, so if you could liken Gundala to a western superhero, who uh-huh. would you liken him to? <laughs> I don't know why, but I keep thinking of Endman. Yeah, he got like Ant-Man I know. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Although, yeah, I haven't even watched Endman, yeah. bro. Yeah, is he supposed to have Endman vibes or like Iron Man yeah, vibes? It's, yeah, it's like Iron Man meets Endman meets like the Flash or some shit like that. Oh, but he totally gave me Endman <laughs> vibes. I don't know why. Paul Rudd vibes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like really kind man in his yeah. 40s. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so we have that uh, and then he has another upcoming superhero movie called uh, Sri Asi which is going to be played mm. by Pavita Pierce. Uh, she's one of my favorite Indonesian actresses also, so maybe I'll watch it. Right. I don't know. Uh because in general I don't really like superhero films anyway, but yeah, but hopefully like it's tight like the the storyline's mm. tighter this time so that yeah. I think it's just a he just keeps improving. Yeah, so exactly. So that's just a short uh profile on Joko Anwar. Uh, he's pretty diverse in terms of what he writes and what he directs, which is kind of strange to me, because you could be like, okay, you could be a fan of horror and you'll know him for his horror works, but you can also be a fan of like superhero movies and you'll know him for like Gundala and Sri Asi, which is like strange. Yeah. Like to me, that's just so strange. That that's true. That's true. You tend to just stereotype. A director to one yeah, particular exactly. genre, and he looks like a pretty yeah, chill guy. He doesn't look like huh. anything out of the ordinary. Intimidating, yeah, he, yeah, exactly. exactly. He doesn't look intimidating. He looks like pretty normal, and I don't know if that sounds like an insult, but I hope not. But he just looks very normal, lah. Like, yeah. I think he did like one of the Vice tours around Indonesia. I I I'm not sure whether it was Joke Jakarta mm. or Bandung or something like that. He was doing a Vice interview. Oh, oh no! He wasn't doing an interview. He was taking the Vice crew around Jogja, and introducing them to like, uh, really cool spots. And I'm like, oh my god, this guy is like the chillest mm. guy ever. I I I really want to be yeah, his friend. And, he, and he's like pretty down to earth too. Because uh, when he started out on Twitter, right? When he started having his own Twitter and like social media and stuff like that, he interacted with his friends. Damn, that's like, cool. Yeah. So he talks to them, and to me, that's kind of like. Cool for a director yeah. of that level. So Joko Anwar, if you're listening to this, please take us around Indonesia. Yes, but not to the horror sites, please. <laughs> yeah, I I'd go to the horror no. sites, please. <laughs> you, <laughs> I want to go to the rumor pengabdi setan. That looks really I think cool. It's somewhere in Bandung on the outskirts, I think. But is it like a re- uh, a real haunted place or is it just like a set? You should watch Jurnal Risa. They did an episode. Oh yeah, but oh yeah, but yeah. there were also ghosts inside, right? Based on yeah. general resource experience, yeah, right. But I think like many abandoned houses, there is bound to be ghosties. Yeah, ghosties. fair enough. All right, take yeah. us away. Right. Okay. So we did mention that we will talk about 
Impetigor today, uh, also known as Perempuan Tanah Jahanam, directed by Joko Anwar. Mm-hmm. We Before we dive into this topic, we want to state up front that there will be no spoilers from here on out. So if you're planning to go watch it, please do. I don't know if it's on Netflix. No, she mean, wait, 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 wait. You mean that there mm. will be spoilers from here on out? There will be. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, let me do that. Let me do that. <laughs> I, I cannot read apparently <laughs> I'm like There will be no spoilers Huh? But that's not the plan <laughs> No because I was reading And I'm like Wow Huda's so nice huh? okay, okay, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Right 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 Okay we start this Okay okay So Today as promised We're gonna talk about Impetigor Also known as Perempuan Tanah Jahanam Directed by The great Joko Anwar So before we dive into this topic, we want to step up front that there will be spoilers from here on out. So if you're planning to go watch it and don't want to be spoiled, go watch the movie first and then come back to this podcast later. And then maybe try to match what you've watched with what we're talking about, you know, and have a good time with us. And actually, like, after you've watched it, please have a conversation with us because we also want to know what you think about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially those um, who are not used to Southeast Asian horror movies. Yeah. Yeah, we would love to... to like, we're super excited to talk about this because it's probably one of the best movies to have come out mm. from 2010 to, like, 2020. Yeah, in terms of wholesomeness, I think this is uh, one of the, go- the good ones. Okay, yeah. whisk us away! <laughs> so, before we start, I'm going to start y'all with a summary of what the movie is about. Mm-hmm. So, Screen Rant uh, did a great summary of the film, actually. Uh, Impetigor follows Maya, who is Tara Basro, in the aftermath of having her life threatened by a mysterious man that claims that her name is Rahayu. So, in order to find answers, she and her friend Dini travel to the Harjosari village, which she once lived with her parents. When the two arrive, they begin to notice a tremendous amount of unnamed infant graves and funerals that occur nearly every day. As the film progresses, it is revealed that a curse was placed on the village that causes babies to be born without any skin. The only way to break the curse, according to Elder Kisaptadi, played by Aryo Bayu, <laughs> is to kill Rahayu and turn her skin into puppets just as her father did to three young girls 20 years prior. Yeah, so if you did not catch that summary at all, it's basically this girl called Maya tries to trace back her ancestry I guess Mm -hmm. or basically just her life and she found she found out that her dad used to be some rich guy living in the village so she just wants to inherit the wealth that could possibly be left behind by her dad and the family yeah because to give you context also uh, Maya lives in the city Mm -hmm. but you see her live in not so good conditions Mm -hmm. yeah so she she goes she she tries to go back to the village thinking that she could strike some gold or something yeah. back but yeah to her horror she finds something else yeah and instead. it's and it's also yeah. important to note that Maya was raised away from her biological parents mm. so yeah. she was raised by an aunt I think right That's and right. and her biological father is actually a uh what do you call that puppet master so mm. they 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 were puppet Puppeteers? Can you call them puppeteers? Yeah, I think they're puppeteers. Puppeteers yeah. who specialize in the art form of uh, wayang kulit. What, mm. What's what's wayang kulit in English? Uh? Puppet. Shadow, Shadow puppets. Puppet. Puppet. That's it. <laughs> yeah, so just a bit of like background and maybe some visualization so you can maybe understand the film a bit more is that there's a lot of cultural elements like mm. Javanese shadow puppetry and then like a very rural village all the way in maybe, I'm assuming Java. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, so it's very far away from the city lah. It's set very far away from the city. Yeah. And I think the time period is in the... It's st- current. So, now that we kind of have a sense of what the movie is, Huda, what were your first impressions of the movie before watching it? Um. So, the thing is, is that I went into Impetigal like not knowing what to expect at all. I didn't even invest the time in watching the trailer because... I was so confident in Joko Anwar's directing because I was such a big fan of Pengabdi Setan. Setan Slaves mm. was essentially one of the best horrors um, that came out in like mid-20... When did it come out? 2015, 2018, I think. 2018, yeah. I think around there. And it was actually a remake of uh, an old movie from the 80s. And I didn't think that it would be so well produced and be able to capture that eeriness and the effectiveness of what a good horror essentially is but it captured everything mm. and I was so I was so enamored by his directing and, and his cinematography and everything that he did so mm. I went into Impetigore just believing in him as a director and honestly it doesn't hurt that both Tara Basro and Ario Bayou were casted either because I am a huge ass fan of the both of them. Yeah, they're not just cute, but they're actually incredibly good looking people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're really good looking. I'm like, holy they're, shit. They're really good looking and they're they also have really great personalities, I think. So yeah. 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 But what about you? What, what did you think about Impatigal before going in? I actually took a long time to watch this. <laughs> I I didn't jump on it as fast as Huda did, but like it took a lot of convincing for me to watch it because only because I watched Bang Abdi Setan first uh-huh. um, and I didn't want to ruin that for me if, you know, if Impetigo turned out to be shit. Then, right. Yeah, but also because I heard that it was pretty gory and violent and I'm not a big fan of um, horror movies that had all those elements. Uh-huh. Yeah, I put off watching Impetigo for a long time yeah. until Huda watched it one day and she was like, I think you can handle it. <laughs> and then I even had to ha- have her like watch it with me <laughs> just in case, you know. But to to yeah. be fair, we watch Pengabdi Setan together. Uh, I remember watching Pengabdi Setan with you, Rachel. What, was Rachel there? My sisters were there. Yeah, and, and your sisters. And we were all in my living room. And literally, yeah. we were watching it during Maghrib. <laughs> Yeah. Every had to yeah. everyone had a pillow to up to their faces. <laughs> yeah, and I remember like it was a few days before me leaving for Pakistan. Oh my god, was it? Oh my god. Yeah, it was, yeah. It oh, was. I don't remember that. Oh my god. Yeah. But yeah. but that was a good so, memory. Yeah. Like Yeah, that was a good memory. Yeah. We were bullying who doesn't like I mean at this point if they didn't bully me, you know you know something's up, man. <laughs> Yeah, but, but that was a masterpiece on its own. Yeah, so yeah, that's true. Watch that too, yeah. So, my, my first impressions were... I wasn't expecting to be sucked into it right from the first scene. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, that opening scene was quite something. Yeah, I gotta agree. Yeah, when yeah, right? So, so basically what happens in the opening scene is that you see Maya, who is essentially a toll gate operator, late at night, like, and she's yeah. just counting the money that she's collected, and suddenly, like, a car drives in, she's talking to her friend on the phone, and mm-hmm. uh, she says that, oh, the guy who's driving up is a guy that's been visiting the toll booth every night and he's he just looks at her weird and he just acts really mm. weird up till that point she's been on the phone with her friend out on loudspeaker mm. and the guy if I remember correctly goes up to the toll booth pays her and then after that he drives off and she's like sighing a, a, a breath of relief 
But mm-hmm. the guy stops right after the toll booth, gets out of his car, and takes out like a machete. <laughs> mm, <laughs> and yeah, starts. And literally starts chasing her. Yeah, yeah, in the toll booth. And that really built up the tension. That was like mm-hmm. the most anxiety I felt. <laughs> Yeah, like the the f- the moment where he called her by Rahayu and not her actual movie name. Yeah, I knew some shit's gonna go yeah. down. Yeah, and he looked really scary as well. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And the fact is, is that she yeah. was trying to like um lock the door of her toll booth and mm-hmm. like close mm-hmm. the window, but nothing worked. Like everything got <laughs> stuck, yeah. and we were like, like literally, my heart went like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Holy fuck, what's gonna happen yeah, next?" That that really gripped yeah. us. But I mean, as far as the story goes, she doesn't die. <laughs> really, <laughs> otherwise the story wouldn't be told. But the the first impression was was that opening scene, and I knew it was gonna be a good one. But the thing is, is that like my way of convincing Dina to watch it, I. I lied a little bit because I said that no, it's not gonna be so gory, but it ended up pre- very like yeah, pretty gory. gory bro. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, you you know, you have the whole setting and like mm-hmm. the the opening was pretty strong, and then you have this whole like introduction to the characters who lived in the city. You know, there was a stark contrast between their living conditions in the city, and then you move to the village where it's like completely rural. Like even in my my mind, uh, having visited Indonesia pretty often I I didn't think a village like that would still exist oh so that's you know? not like a typical village that you see for current times I don't think so like for a village like that to exist in current times it would have to be like really really deep in the heart of like somewhere right okay yeah. okay okay very far off like civilization because I think if I'm not wrong they stopped in Jogja first right they took a a, a horse ride to the insides insides or something yeah, like yeah. that yeah yeah so it was pretty for me it was unfamiliar yeah I think what I liked as well is that like um, when they stopped in Jogja, there was this interaction with the uh, horse cart um, rider guy. Right? <laughs> 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 horse cart rider man that they had to pay to take them to the village, and it was quite funny. I think I think that added element of humor, um, and that nonchalantness of the characters made it even easier to relate to. So, with that said, what are your thoughts on the plot? Um, well, for me, like, the simple premise rooted it to the ground. I think the way the story was weaved and the pacing and the characters were all done just right. As someone who's pretty fascinated with Wayang Kulit or Shadow Puppetry, having that element act as a vehicle for the plot of the story and working Mm. in the mysticism of it and the lore has intensified Mm. the curiosity. So, Mm. I think... It's really simple for us because mm. you understand that in our traditional um, settings, right? Mm. But having a story being weaved out of that is so fascinating and that suspension mm. of disbelief is just enough because you understand the context of it. But at the same time, there are still elements that can be expounded upon that you are like, this could mm. happen in real life, you know? Yeah, yeah you're, you're not yeah. beyond that. But yeah. I think in addition to that, there's also like another film that I really like that incorporated Wayang Kulit Law, which is called Bunohan. Mm. It's on Netflix. Uh, it's directed by Dan Syed, but it's a Malaysian film. It's not a horror, but it plays with the mysticism of uh, Wayang Kulit as well. So, is this the one you get, you're trying to make? Me yes. Watch? <laughs> oh. So, so 
trust me, I've been trying to make you watch a lot of things. Nothing has gone, <laughs> nothing has passed except for like Indonesian films. Yeah, sorry, Malaysian films. Uh, besides the the language, like the the language, yeah, uh, a bit hard for me to understand. No, but Bunohan is like it's Kelantani, so even I don't understand mm. it. There's the Kelantan right. logo in in there, so I like you need to turn on subtitles, otherwise you wouldn't understand. Right, yeah, so I right. think I think the music and the ambiance and it's just cold. It's not your typical Malaysian film. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna mm. say. So if y'all are interested, and it, Tina, if you are interested, <laughs> can always watch it on Netflix. Yeah, but but what are your thoughts on the plot? Uh, I agree. I think the strength of Impetigo mm. uh, lies in its simplicity. Yeah. Um, I mean, in, in addition to cinematography and all the production and things like that, lah. Yeah. But. I think the basic plot elements are like not blazingly unique, but it's pretty. It, but it's very Joko Anwar style. Mm. You know, like he makes up for the simplicity with his sheer style. Yeah, it's very like, like I like we mentioned, the opening sequence was electrifying. Like you just started off with like, whoa, what what's going on? You know, and then just like that, he shifts gears to slow burn mode, and you're like. Okay, what? He just controls the 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 atmosphere really. Yeah, well. I agree yeah. completely. So I think I think for me that was that was great. It was truly beautifully done, and then like, um, the whole the way he carried the film mm-hmm. from one point to another, it was it wasn't um how would I say it? There wasn't much room for gaps. There wasn't any no wait. I wouldn't say there wasn't any gaps, but there wasn't any gaps till the end. Yeah, I agree. So and. There was a scene I think that were, I thought was kind of. I think people might not really think of this scene as like something that stands out, but mm-hmm. you remember this scene where they Dini and Maya were taking a bus in the dark, and then like she was talking to some guy. Do you remember? I don't. I don't remember if they were on the way to the village or on the way to somewhere, but they were in the bus. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. And the whole bus was dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 I remember. Yeah, and, and the whole bus just had, like, you can't tell if the bus was full of, like, ghosts or people. Oh, my God. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then, like, when she looked out the window, she saw those three girls over uh-huh. there. Yeah, that one, that scene, wow, the fuck. Because to me, <laughs> that was creepy. Oh, is it? Like, to me, yeah, because... It was it got creepy when she spoke to the guy, the professor guy. I don't know. What, yeah. I think he called himself professor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he like called it. himself professor. Yeah. He's like a professor yeah. of linguistics. So okay, mm. just backstory mm. before like we move on. Thing is, is that Maya finds a like a mantra being buried mm. in her thigh. Uh, and that mm. was the reason why she wanted to go back to the village to find out about her family and her ancestry. So she mm. was in the bathroom earlier when they were still in in the city, and she cut her thigh and found like a scroll mm. filled with an ancient mantra. I think it's ancient Javanese, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. when they were on the bus to contextualize, that was how she met this professor guy, and then uh. he was the one who was able to translate it to her. Oh yeah, so they were on the way to the village. Mm, yeah, yeah. So to me, that was creepy because the way the camera panned around the bus, just I couldn't tell if the people in the bus were real or not. 
I was just waiting for something creepy to happen and then right at the end when she looked out the window, it was like, bam, okay, there, there you have The it. three girls. <laughs> the three girls, which was uh, foreshadowing of what's to happen lah. Yeah, I, I didn't actually notice mm. that. I didn't notice that there, there might be a chance that the people in the bus weren't real. Oh my god. Yeah, because to me, like there, there's, there must be a reason why there's a scene of them travelling to there. Because in terms of like, okay, she has to, to decode the message. Yeah. Right? Like, she can do it any way. Like, she lived in the 21st century. She has access to a computer. Oh. But he specifically does it in the bus while meeting somebody. Oh, my God. So, to me... Yeah, to me lah. That, that was uh, something that remained in memory because that was kind of weird for him to do it in there. So, uh, it made me even think, like, is the professor even real? Oh, you know? wow. Okay. Good catch. Yeah, Good catch. Yeah. Wow. Right. Like, if you think about it now, like, is he... Was he a real yeah. person? Like, how can... How come... He's the like he just happens to know the language. Yeah. He just happens to be a professor on the way to the same place. So it's just like, oh, what? that's true. Yeah, because I yeah, I was right. actually thinking that we'd meet the professor again in the village itself, yeah. but we never meet him but, again. Yeah, we never meet him again. Oh, yeah. that's true. That adds an entire new right. dimension to it. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah, because when 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 the when the three girls appeared, then it made me think like, okay, this bus, what the fuck. And the way the camera was panning around the bus was like kind of sasa. Yeah, kind of <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, uh, okay, what? Man. Okay, so okay. okay. Mm. Now the thing is, is that like we were saying, we wanted to rewatch it before we did this episode. But I think I'm gonna rewatch mm. it again after this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't watch it all before, yeah. so so this is just based on what I remember and the feeling it gave. Me. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so the thing is, is yeah. that like from the the two of us, if there's any error in what we're remembering, we have not rewatched the movie since yeah. like I think a couple of months ago so this is just all, yeah. all based on memory memory yeah and feeling yeah. so um, yeah and then they, they got to the village eventually and mm. I think what really captured me when they arrived in the village from the city uh, back to what you said about the stark difference um, mm. it is also the colours that really stayed yeah. with me yeah. I think Joko yeah. Anwar has a way with m- making his cinematography so, um, how ah, like cinematic. Yeah, he 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 adds like he portrays the creepy vibes through the way he color grades his. Yeah, film. it's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. It's very it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So I don't think I've ever seen a horror movie that's that beautiful. Ever. Yeah, exactly. Have you? Never. I've never seen anything yeah. as well done as. That's how Joko Anwar does his. Same. I think that in Same. its entirety um, is the reason why I enjoy his film so much. Like, yeah. the cinematography supports the plot so well. Mm. So, so I guess since we're talking about Joko Anwar's stylistic choices mm. right now, well, what do you think about his style and everything? So, the I think, I think what I really liked about his style is that he allowed his character the space to breathe in between mm. shots and in between dialogue so uh, not a lot of the communication um happened just by saying words or dialogue bouncing off from one character to another but it also has to do with the body language and like the the the, the scene in itself and how it builds on the suspense of it so mm. the first thing we see when Maya and Dini come into the village is they go past the house, the old Maya's old house, which they didn't know belonged to Maya, lah, essentially. 
So mm-hmm. they passed this old house and it just has a very um intense domineering vibe. Like you know something's gonna end up fucked up. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So they ride past the house and onto Kisaptadi's house. So they go to Kisaptadi's house to basically find out about the background of Maya because Kisaptadi is essentially like the head of the village and they meet Kisaptadi's mother and the way that lady acted with her dragging her feet across the floor on like the sand and soil beneath her, mm. I think that was a choice. Like that was definitely a choice in direction because to portray mm. that shows the character in itself. I don't know. Mm. It, it was just a way that she dragged her feet against the ground and then it panned mm. up to look over her entirety that really like yeah. captured me. Because I'm like, oh, mm, yeah. there must be something wrong. Yeah, jo- yeah Joko Anoa is really good at giving his characters, uh, what's it called? Depth. He gives life to the characters, depth to the characters. You know? So they're not just like someone who carries the dialogue in the movie, but more of like, they have a personality. Yeah. Like all of them have personalities and you're, you're pretty much invested in all of their personalities because yeah, they're different. Like all of them are like, you have the main character, yeah. you have this, you have that. And then somewhere along the line, some everything just sort of blurs also. So like at some point you're thinking like, okay, maybe Maya's the bad bitch. Yeah. You know? Maybe Maya's the... the Antagonist. Antagonist, <laughs> yeah. And then you're like doubting yourself because in the beginning... um. Kisaptadi aka Ario Bayou is portrayed as like the protagonist slash main good guy but he turns out to be something else completely mm-hmm. so you, you're just questioning yourself yeah. like you're just questioning yourself like okay who is who here like what is what yeah so, you, know, so you, you have to learn each character to basically understand the, the movie also exactly like the grey areas mm. the, he's mm. not he's not stingy with the grey areas which is mm. why I like exactly um, yeah but uh, also cause like Kisaptadi's mother who okay I'm, I, I'm on the Wikipedia page so I know what yeah. their names are she's quite that one right she's quite yeah she's quite right? so, so essentially yeah. his mother is uh, Christine Hakim and Christine yeah. Hakim has been playing in cinema for a long ass time and she's quite a recognisable figure but mm. oh my god she really absolutely disappears in her character I absolutely believe yeah. that she is uh, an old grandmother from the rural villages of Indonesia. Because when yeah. I googled her afterwards, and I'm like, oh my god, is this lady? Yeah, is that lady? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the way she spoke, and she has a growl in her voice that's so intimidating that I was scared from this side of the screen. <laughs> yeah, legit. She's like the evil wench you don't want to like, cross paths yeah. with. Yeah. If you guys yeah. have seen... Um, uh, what did, what's what's it called? Oh my god! This is another movie that I've asked you to watch. Uh, oh, Putri Gunung Ledang. If you've got, if you guys oh. have watched Putri Gunung Ledang, Christine Hakim is uh Putri Gunung Ledang's um mother. No, she's uh she's uh she's her helper, like a maid. Yeah, right. so she was really recognizable in that as well. And I'm I, I was watching Putri Gunung Ledang after I watched Impetigal, and I'm like. Wait, this woman looks so familiar and I clicked on the Wikipedia page and I'm like, Oh my god, it's the same lady from Impetigo <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But but okay, okay, on to your on to your thoughts, sorry. No, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> uh pretty much the same I guess. Like because we understand, no, I wouldn't say we understand, but like from what we've watched, <laughs> uh and, and, and uh, observed from Joko's Anwar's directing style is yeah, pretty much 
what Huda has mentioned. Yeah. But also another thing that makes his film stand out, mm-hmm. unlike any other directors I've ever seen, is how provocative it is. Oh my god! Like <laughs> right? I mean, he 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 um he has a way with like going outside the line a bit. So if there's an imaginary line between, uh. You know, conservative filmmaking and not yeah. He just crosses the line just a little bit extra. Yeah. So like for some scenes where you think like ah, oh, it's just gonna go like the way you think it's gonna go. It it doesn't go the way you think it's. Wait, gonna are go. you talking about that scene? About which scene? That scene at the end, the one with Arya Bayu. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. That and like many other scenes in any other of his movies, like even in his non-horror movies like Fixie, uh-huh. like the stuff he's written, you know, like they're not. Typical like, It doesn't have like A usual ending mm. So The the way he does Is it's quite uh, I wouldn't say abnormal also But more like a It's not It's bold Yeah uh. it's just not Yeah it's bold uh, Like yeah. yeah Yeah he's very Yeah, yeah. I was quite surprised yeah. Because I, Okay like I mentioned I don't watch Indonesian um, cinema at all other than like horror movies and Ario Bayu uh, Ario Bayu and, and like <laughs> I'm sorry um, what's his name Joko Anoa's movies so I was really surprised that the scene at the end near the end where it's revealed that uh, Kisaptadi is actually Maya's biological father so the guy that we have been told is her father all along mm. and there was mm. a scene between Kisaptadi and Maya's mother having sex and it yeah. was really graphic and I was yeah. very surprised. I'm like, oh no, can they actually do this? Like, was this yeah. past? I mean, it was in cinemas, right? So I, I was yeah. I was really shocked at the boldness of the scene. So I'm not sure if Joko is also like paying homage to the horror film set in the 80s where a lot of uh, sex was involved. Mm. So like in the 80s, horror movies and sex usually would go hand in hand. Oh, is it? Is it? Yeah, if you watch a lot of... Okay, like, maybe I don't know if you... <laughs> I don't know uh, what, but from the stuff that I have read or like have watched, you know, some of the stuff, yeah. a lot of it has sex scenes inside. Although not as explicit as what we saw in Impetigo. Yeah, but there will always be a scene where someone's having sex, for sure. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Even in like Susanna yeah. films? Yeah, yeah. Even in Susanna films. Oh, is that right? Okay, I didn't yeah. know that. Like either like someone will be sleeping with her for some reason and then she takes like revenge or some shit like that. Oh. Yeah, yeah, maybe so because I I I've read that he's a big fan of like eighties like classic horror. That's why he remade Satan Slaves, right? Exactly. Mm. So yeah, so in Indonesian horror in the past, yeah, uh, sex is always a part of it, lah. It's not uncommon. I see, I see, I see. Yeah. Yeah, Okay, okay. Because like I wanted to watch it with my cousins at my uncle's place. <laughs> yeah. Bad idea. <laughs> exactly. The thing is is that, that this was before I watched it at all and I'm like, hey you mm. guys want to watch a horror? And thank God one of my cousins is like shit scared of horror films and she's like I don't I don't I don't mm. I don't And then when I watched mm. it on my own I'm like oh shit Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I was surprised and I'm like, okay, thank God I didn't watch this. Yeah, so so still there's another Joko Anwar style. He's quite uh provocative in that sense. Right. Just not usual. Uh. Right, right, right. I think another thing that I wanna basically talk about is in, in Impatigo was the cultural or oh, how heavily like culturally soaked this movie is. Mm-hmm. You know? So you have like the Javanese culture. Mm. And then you have like the Jap- Javanese elements, you know, like like even the way he's dressed, the way Ki Saptadi is being made to dress, yeah. and then like 
his mother and then like some of the rituals yeah. and then like the 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 things they do for entertainment you know things like that you don't really see that in even modern day life even if you're a javanese living in java i don't think it's very commonplace like commonplace these days even though people still do it it's just it doesn't look like what you see in in that movie mm. so to me that is pretty eye opening um yeah I think I really I really enjoyed the costuming. Like, yeah, right? I thought um when I first saw a shot of Aryo Bayu in that costume, I thought he was doing it for a period piece, but he yeah. was doing it for this instead. And so basically Aryo Aryo Bayu, so so you got to lead me in this case cuz I'm yeah. not really sure what the the official title of his costume is called, but yeah. Aryo is dressed in this green like lapel jacket top. What's it called, you know? <laughs> uh, I don't know what the thing the top is called. It's just like a if you can imagine it's sort of like a modern day blazer. Yeah. And yeah. it wraps around him like so perfectly and he also wears mm. a batik a, a kain batik beneath and also mm. the um the kopia thing. Yeah, that kopia thing I know. Yeah. The thing is called a blankon uh, in Java. A blankon. Uh, in, in like yeah, in Java. No, I want to say Java but in Indonesia. Uh-huh. Yeah. In Bahasa. It's referred to as a blancon, right? And and he just looks like he stepped out of the the 1800s, and it's, I think the costuming makes the characters who they mm, are. Exactly, yeah. So so that was that was nice to see. Yeah. And then after watching the movie, I was discussing with my friend who was, uh, pretty much, uh, I mean, he's he's very he's Javanese, right? Uh-huh. So he has this Java Javanese pride. So he's very into like everything Java, Java. <laughs> so I was asking him about like the puppets, the shadow puppets, right? Because in the movie, like we're made to we're made to know that, um, Kisab Tadi apparently, like made shadow puppets out of human skin, right? Mm-hmm. So I was really curious about that after I watched the movie. So I was asking my friend. Uh, is it real? You know, like do people in the olden days, you know, make shadow puppets out of human skin? Yeah. And then he was like, "No, not really." Although, mm-hmm. although mm-hmm. allegedly, there is, I think, a kerajaan. What's a kerajaan? A village. Kerajaan uh, government. Kerajaan is like a yeah, like a government, like a yeah, something like that uh-huh. in the olden times in Cherbon, which is if I'm not wrong, either in East Java, no. East Java, I think. Uh-huh. Cherbon is in East Java. Okay. Uh, I think. <laughs> uh, <laughs> She's guessing all a lot of this. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Indonesia is a big man. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and apparently, allegedly, there's a government that uh, uses human skin to to, to make these puppets, u- to make their shadow puppets. Although not entirely. Uh. So not the entire shadow puppet is made of human skin, but maybe like. Some parts of it, like maybe it could be the the hand or the face, you know, to basically represent that a person or yeah oh. something lah. Allegedly, For, in ter- in terms of the puppet, yeah. Oh. So that was that was kind of cool to know, and I I felt quite relieved <laughs> knowing that people in the olden days are not that savage. Yeah, but maybe like uh, it also has to do with the spirituality of it, because you yeah. kind of relate um wayang kulit or uh, shadow puppets with a lot of the supernatural. There's that yeah. supernatural element to it, um, accompanied yeah. by the what do you call that? Uh, the thing that we play, the instruments. <laughs> gamelan. The gamelan. 
I I cannot think yeah yeah accompanied by the gamelan a lot of it has the supernatural element added to it so mm. I think um that's where all the folklore comes from yeah yeah exactly yeah. it's it's pretty interesting how like they take something and then make it re- like re- represent something you know if you know what i mean so it's like for example if they want to use human skin allegedly yeah. right so it has meaning behind that it's not just merely to make it because they ran out of material to make it uh-huh. but um what i understand is that in the olden days people would use like uh tiger skin oh. lion skin to make or animal skin like in general to create the shadow puppets and in order to to procure animal skin back in the day and with no guns or whatever shit basically meant you have to fight the animal right yeah so it has people believe that if you can fight something you will basically add the spirit of what you've just done into the shadow puppet oh. and then it will be it will be brought alive you know when they're actually doing the the puppeteering itself Damn, that's interesting. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that until I was talking to to my friend also, and I was just like, "That's pretty damn interesting." Like oh how everything they do in that cultural aspect has a meaning, and not merely just because. Yeah. You know? Ooh, mm. wow! That's yeah. how an art form is formed, huh? Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's so really I was, I was, so I was thinking like, you know, if they use human skin, uh, which in this show. Clearly, it meant something, right? Yeah. Because he had to use a human skin to become like the best puppet master. Yeah, and also yeah. to to become the best puppet master. And oh wait, but they used the human skin to also fix her, right? So backstory, um, Maya was mm. born without skin, so her father, who, um, was exposed to the audience as this like main puppet master, who isn't Ario mm. Bayu, uh. Killed these three girls to make the puppets, and thus the puppets will be able to give her the skin, right? If I'm not wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's why they made the puppets out of the skin of little girls. <laughs> um, mm. but yeah, but apparently, like you come to find out that Kisabtadi is actually Maya's actual birth father. And yeah. the reason why the town has been giving birth to skinless babies. Yeah, it's because of the curse <laughs> that's been that's been going around. That that was actually done by Kisabtari's mother. Mother, yeah. yeah. As we found out later, yeah. which is kind of, which is kind of a plot twist because uh, Kisabtari didn't even know. Yeah, like yeah, didn't even know anything. So he was just yeah. like he's literally as clueless as Maya and all of which, us. Which which was why like I really really liked it as well because like you tend mm. to think that Kisabtari was the main dalang behind everything, mm. but he turns mm. out to be just a pawn in the game. Yeah. But you also realize yeah. that there is the that the reason why Kisabtari's mother did what she did was because she was raped and um basically gave birth to Kisabtadi out of an affair by mm. the the village head and she was doing it out of spite yeah, yeah which yeah i think it adds so much dimension to to the characters yeah which is kind of fucked up for a mother to do that to her own yeah kid, right? exactly but yeah. i guess i guess if you're caught in that situation and more so that you ha- live your life in that village i think it gets to you lah you tend to be that yeah. way. I mean, you you will make deals with the devil just because. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. And I think like the effects they used for this, um, the the makeup, the body horror that they did for Empathico is phenomenal. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Really. Like, really. Like I'm just like blown exactly. away. Exactly. Like the the the, <laughs> the dead babies. They they aren't <laughs> dead, but they're just skinless. But oh my god, the the body horror or just the skinless babies coming out of their mothers. Is incredible. Yeah. Like, how the hell they make that? I yeah, I don't know. Oh my god! You know <laughs> what? Like all along, I've been wanting to. When I see those babies up on screen, I just want to bite into one of them. <laughs> what the fuck? Would you want to bite into a baby? I don't know. It just looks so disgusting, and it's like <laughs> it's like covered in this raspberry strawberry jam kind of consistency. And I'm like, Yuck. if I bite into them, you think it'll be like a Haribo candy? <laughs> Oh my god Sorry Huda I'm not with you on this one <laughs> But I was just telling Dina the other day that I think one of the elements that I really enjoy about horror Is body horror And like shit like the mm-hmm. hamster films from the Japanese uh, cult classics And all of that shit I really really like that Cause there's no. that mermaid and a sewer <laughs> bullshit, and yeah, uh. it's like her organs just splayed out, and it's like she has warts all over her body, and I no. really really enjoy that. <laughs> why? Why? Uh, why would you watch your fellow human be tortured that I, way? I can't like. Mm, Dude, no, I don't know, it's but it's me. just like it's so fascinating, you know. Like I want to touch the boils. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> You realise that the horror is not only in movies You realise the horror was next to you all along Oh god Like please If you were to ask me to choose Which would I rather watch Gore or horror I would take horror any day Because at least I can pretend that You know The horror doesn't exist Well in actual fact If you know If a gory thing happened to me That's that's truly like yeah, it can happen to me, yeah. and I will feel that, and I'm like, and I'm not, I'm not about that. <laughs> 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 My God! Any other words for Empathico? Uh, nothing except go watch yeah. it. Yeah, you guys should really watch it. I think in terms of the storyline, the plot is super solid. Like the way it twists yeah. and turns, like the way he shifts his gears, like intentionally. Exactly, exactly, and yeah. and the characters are just done to. Perfection. You you can never go wrong with a movie that has Tara Basro. Yeah, that's true. Or Ario. Actually, Ario <laughs> Bayou maybe la. Some of his films are pretty questionable, but I still like him nonetheless. Um, yeah, but Tara Basro though. Wow. Yeah. Oh my god, she's uh, Tara Basro. If you're listening to this, I love you. <laughs> I love everything love you. that you do. <laughs> yeah, we stalk you on Instagram. Yeah, you're so cool. Can we be your friend? <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Tara Basro. <laughs> <laughs> no, but if you guys don't follow Tara Basro on Instagram, she's really, really cool. Like you guys should, and she's mm. so cute. But I think that being said, if Joko Anwar were to produce like a phone book for a film, I'd watch it. He just really, yeah, he just has his way. I'm pretty sure he'll make it interesting. <laughs> That's yeah, true. he'll probably That's like true. the storylines. Probably like you open a phone book and you like call a random number, and it happens to be Ario Bayou on the other line, and he ends up being your father. You know <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> you should like write to him and be like, I have a, I have a, a script idea. <laughs> <laughs> phone book, <laughs> phone book. That's it. <laughs> That's all I'm giving you. Yeah. <laughs> Do what you will. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, actually, you know what. Like, hmm. at this point, we should figure out a way 
of how to close our podcast because I I have a okay way. okay do it do it yeah I mean since we have some time left maybe we can I mean we still talking about horror and everything yeah I don't know if we're gonna make it into a full episode also but. Maybe we can maybe share one experience we have, maybe with a supernatural thing or something. Our, Do you want a to? real life supernatural experience? Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, this isn't me exactly, but this was from my dad, uh, which I thought mm. was really really scary. Cause oh my god, is it the one that? I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the oh one that you're god, thinking okay. about. <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, this scared so, the shit out of me. So basically, um, when he was younger, he used to live in Geelong Baru. This was probably like in the seventies or the eighties. Um, and he got home from work. I think he was probably like in his 20s perhaps. And he got home from work really late at night. And it was dark. Everything was completely dark. Oh god, I'm imagining <laughs> yeah. right now. Holy fuck. But once he entered the living room, he saw his mother praying on the uh, on the table. On l- oh, <laughs> wait, I think this was a good idea. <laughs> I'm like literally imagining it so, right now. Um, so my, my dad kind of dabbled in the dark arts as one would in like the 70s and the 80s. So <laughs> he knew that whatever was on the, the table wasn't his actual mother. So, uh, But he just tried his luck. Lah. He just walked past the table. He didn't look at the figure. But he the, the figure was still performing their prayers. Um, oh my god. But he walked into his mother's room and he just checked on her and like his mother was laid in bed like peacefully sleeping then he turned around and the thing wasn't there anymore and he's like chibai <laughs> oh my god wait he was she was praying on the table right the thing was playing on the table yeah yeah the thing was praying on the table so like with uh, with the talakong and everything and i think like uh, probably oh i'm i'm he my dad didn't specify what rakaat she was in but i'm just imagining the figure <laughs> like ruko king or something or like or like uh, yeah, yeah or like prostating sujoding i'm pretty sure it was a sight to behold but like i said i mean it's normal for a man in the 70s <laughs> to be practicing in this kind of bullshit so probably something followed him home oh my god not something aside to be home more like a, some, a side to run away <laughs> yeah <laughs> by knowing my father he's like you little shit <laughs> oh yeah. my god that's so scary I, I yeah just imagining that when I first heard the story like <laughs> From Huda, oh my god, my entire arm um, yeah. f- was full of like goosebumps. I'm just like, holy. The no. thing is, is that when my dad told me the story, I kept wanting to like, wanting it to happen in our house at that present time. Um, like one day I just come home and d- just see someone. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I and the thing is, is that he told me when I was like eight or nine, and I just had this fascination over the story. <laughs> I'm like, this scares me, but I want it to happen. <laughs> You're crazy! <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, okay, I'm okay, real, but I I know I I I suggested yeah. this, but I I'm regretting <laughs> it right now. But what about you? What about you? Uh, you have like a lot of stories, so I'm I'm waiting for you to pick one out of your repository. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I wouldn't say it's like a direct encounter with a hantu or a ghost to say, yeah. but. I mean, I I don't know what is it with me, maybe because I'm slightly more sensitive to these things, mm-hmm. but um, they tend to follow me home. Yeah. Like, the Miss Peace, yeah. they tend to follow me home, and I don't really know this, or maybe some people can be like, are you, are you sure? Like, are you, you know, I like, it just doesn't seem believable that something would follow me home, yeah. right? But the way I found out was, 
I kept dreaming about them. Mm-hmm. So like for example, if a Miss P followed me home, I would dream of her like that very same night. And there was a moment in my life where I would dream of her. I would I don't know if it's the same one, but like I would dream of Miss P's like every single day for an entire week. And that has never happened to me before, right? So I find that quite strange and it's so real. Like it felt so real to the point where up to this point I can still remember it. So long story short, the very first time I dreamt of a Miss P was uh okay, so the the dream setting was I was in my room, mm-hmm. the lights were fully on, but I remember hiding uh at the back of my bed. So if you came in if you can visualize my room, right? So if you walk in through the door, you will see my bed. It's the first thing that you'll see. So the foot of the bed is parallel to the door. And then the the way I mean not the foot of the bed, but the way the bed is placed is parallel to the door. Uh-huh. And I was hiding on the other side of the bed. So if you can imagine, right? So on the other side of the bed and the bottom of my bed was pretty much hollow. There's there's nothing underneath yeah. it. So I was crouching there and I was peeping from underneath the bed uh, at the door uh-huh. because in the dream I remember feeling very scared and feeling like something was chasing after me and I was hiding so I was keeping a lookout at the door because at this point my door was kind of ajar mm-hmm. oh my god just thinking about it I can give you the creeps <laughs> oh and then after that <laughs> okay okay I can do this it's just a yes, dream yes yes so um, I was uh, looking at the door and the door was ajar and not too long after uh the door opened a little bit and in floated the Miss P. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I knew it was a Miss P because it was floating. Oh dear God, who do I'm scared? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because I remember this so vividly because it's the first time it happened to me and like, okay, uh-huh. I can do this. Yes, it's yes, yes. I'll stay um, on the line with you after this door. After yeah, this, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. And the thing floated in. I can see her, her dress, her white dress just floating in. And she stopped right in the middle of my bed. So if you can, see, if you can imagine, I'm hiding on the other side, and I'm there's a hollow thing that can that sees through the other side. She stops right in the middle. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, okay, maybe you know she's just standing there. She doesn't know that I'm there, and I can tell that she's um, turning around because of the way the dress is flowing. Yeah, yeah. So I thought she turned around to leave or something like that, uh-huh. right? So when I th- just when I thought the coast was clear. I lifted my head up yeah. from where I was hiding and she jumped. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. But I couldn't see the face or anything. So, right as she jumped at me, I woke up and I knew that wasn't an ordinary dream because I woke up at, at the like during the witching hour. Oh my god. Which was around 3 to 5 a.m. Yeah. So, I knew that was not ordinary. So, that kept happening for a while. Mm. Um, yeah, and then don't ask me how I knew, but yeah. So basically, yeah. Um, yeah so in the end, I spoke to some of my to one of my friends, and like she basically said that yeah, you have something following you. Damn. And at and at point of time, she, my friend told me that because I was in such a heavily depressed state, and these things tend to um, go towards negative energy. Yeah. So it's I'm easily susceptible to these kind of things, lah. But also maybe yeah. like the Miss P Because there was one incident Where it was raining really hard And like the Miss P mm. was there with you right Because you heard someone cry Yeah, yeah. So 
Okay, so this okay, so another story that I will squeeze yeah. in. Not as scary as the dream one. I think like, that, the I think that is really scary though. Like that's the phone one. Yeah, the phone one. Because that happened like in real life. That's true. And that was my first ever like real life experience, like where I could hear the thing. Yeah. So um okay, so I was talking on the phone with my friend. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh it was pretty late and I don't remember what I was doing before. But um we were talking on the phone and then I was tired and I fell asleep on the phone. But as I was dozing into sleep, I was also listening to what my friend was playing in his background. Mm-hmm. Right? He was playing he he had the T V on and he said he would keep me company. So I was just listening to the ambient noise that was in his background to help me sleep la. Mm. And at first I heard like um crying noises. So it it went something a bit like <laughs> and it was very faint. Yeah. So it was very faint. So I was thinking okay, it came from the T V. But another side of me was also like couldn't be coming from the T V because he was watching action movies. Mm. Like I could hear people like fighting and there were guns going off. So there's no way like somebody was crying in the middle of like a an action scene, right? Yeah. Because it was really loud and I could hear every single thing. So I, I just brushed it off. I didn't... At this point, I, I wasn't too scared. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know why I woke up, honey. Oh. I woke up because it was raining really bad and there was a big thunder. It woke the entire Pasir yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, it even woke up yeah. you knows, bro. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was storming really, really hard at that point. Yeah, so I woke up. I called my friend because I was scared shitless. I brushed it off the first time. So I, I tried going back to sleep, listening to the sounds that were coming out from his TV. La. Then... um tried falling asleep again and then I heard the crying again I was it, it went the same way like but this time a bit a bit louder mm-hmm. and a bit more distinct and it went for a bit longer to the point where I got so disturbed I reached I I, I in my sleepy state I called out mm. uh, I said uh, do you hear that uh, then he was like what I hear what then he was, I was like there's somebody crying is there somebody crying on the TV and then he was like, no, there's nobody crying on the TV. I'm watching a horror, uh, watching action movie. And then I was like, yeah, okay. And then, um, yeah. And then after that, when he said that, I realized, okay, this this is not um, normal. This is not normal. So I was trying to face the other side. Like, because I was on one side, right? I was facing one side. And then I was trying to flip over to the other side to sleep. Mm-hmm. And I heard it again. So I, I, I scolded up my friend. I was like... Are you sure? <laughs> like I cl- like I can hear somebody crying, you know. Like cl- cl- like somebody's crying. <laughs> and then he was like, "Oh, d- never mind. Don't think about it. Don't think about Bet it." In his heart, and then he's like, like, "You making me cry." <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, "Okay." Uh, then he said, like, "Don't worry, don't worry. Just go sleep now. Like you, you must be very sleepy and like things like that." And honestly, I thought I was maybe hearing yeah. stuff lah. Then, um. And then I it, like after five minutes, I could hear my friend just turn on the surreal. <laughs> yeah, like all the prayers. He knew yeah, he, he got to exorcise some shit yeah. out of your room. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I fell asleep to that. Uh, so so that that was that was my first ever like life experience hearing hearing. Yeah, yeah. I thank God I couldn't see. I don't want to see anything. Please God, yeah, please. Oh my God. But um, yeah, that was my when, first time hearing. When you told us that. That creeped us out so much. I literally yeah. had to sleep with my lights on. I was so creeped out. I was like, because yeah. I, I think like, uh, one of our friends who told 
video about what were the implications of why mm. um, Miss Peace would find shelter in your room because mm. uh, they wanted to find shelter from the storm, right? And I'm like, yeah. oh god, oh god, oh god, yeah. oh god, oh god. <laughs> yeah, because because I sleep right next to the window, right. so I asked my friend who could like see all these things. Mm. Um, and then she said like Yeah there's a possibility That the Miss P Was trying to take shade From the rain That night Oh my god Yeah And true And true to her words Like they were That Miss P was Hanging outside my main door lah, The next morning Bruh. I think like It's kind of cute That Miss P's uh, Essentially looking for shelter And like going to you Cause like maybe They think you're kind as well So they're like uh-huh. Yeah you know Like that kind of dynamic If you want to think of it Like on the bright side Or like on a more humorous side But a not on a not so humorous side It's creepy as shit <laughs> Yeah Super creepy Yeah But you know Joko yeah. Anwar If you need a, a, a horror plot line Dina Marliana's here <laughs> To supply you with A shit ton <laughs> Yeah but I don't want to be in it Please Yeah she can just You can just be like A consultant on his film man But I don't think my My stories are like Wild enough for it, for it to be made into a movie. You never know. If it's not Joko <laughs> Anoa, then my, maybe it's Journal Risa. Risa Sarasvati, man. Shout out. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, please come to Singapore and scope out my room. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. If she actually scopes out your room and she brings her entire family there, you'd be more creeped out. Because they'd probably find like a shit ton of spirits to talk to. I think yeah. so too. And then at the end of the night, you're like, oh shit. I have company. <laughs> yeah, and and speaking of that, uh, ever since the first time I dreamt of that Miss P, mm-hmm. I never sleep with the lights off anymore. Oh shit! Yeah, and I, I have a bed lamp that I on turn on constantly. I don't sleep with the lights off oh anymore because I realized that during those periods where I was having those dreams, yeah. um, I don't have a night light. So right. I was told to have a night light just in case. Right. Man, that's making yeah. me creeped out and making me want to turn on my <laughs> lights when I sleep tonight. Probably will have yeah. to do that shit. Yeah, but it doesn't work because recently when I had those dreams again, yeah, it still comes back. Yeah, it still comes <laughs> the back. Yeah, with a nightlight yeah. on. Yeah. The Miss is like, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> this bitch thinks it actually works. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it it gives me a sense of false security. Right, right, right. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, whatever works. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So. <laughs> I guess on that <laughs> note, on that very long note, I bet those people who are like, I don't believe you yeah. must have tapped out by now. <laughs> so yeah, goodbye to your ass. <laughs> yeah. I think like the, the, the tail end of our conversation needs a little bit more of a suspension of disbelief. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're into that, yeah, you're on our team. But if not, yeah. then yeah, bye. That be, you can't yeah, that us. being said, I think we're actually going to have a full episode to cover our personal experiences with the supernatural. Mm-hmm. So watch out for that. Um, mm. We're also going to interview one of our friends who can see and detect these things, and she has mm. a story on on her own. So we'll yeah. probably get her on for this. Uh, that'll be somewhere yeah. in the near future. But mm. yeah, Dina, I want to close this off. Yeah. So to close off, we hope that you have enjoyed this episode of Digressions Include. Uh, we're sorry about missing last week's episode, yeah. but hopefully this episode makes up for it. And if you haven't seen any of Joko Anwar's films, we highly suggest to go watch it. Even if you're not a big fan of horror. Uh, if you don't want to start on horror, then maybe I could suggest you to watch uh, Quickie Express. Uh-huh. You know, it's it's not something he directed, but it's something that he wrote. But equally as good. You can tell that he, he has a part to yeah, he has a part in mm. it. 
So, catch Impetigor, a.k.a. Perempuan Tanah Jahanam. Or, if you want to, we, we have a copy. Yeah, we have a... Uh, yeah. I don't think we should advertise that. No. Okay, fine. Okay, yeah. Cut that out! We cut that out! Advocate, yeah, we do not advocate piracy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if you would like to discuss more uh, office films with us, we, we can message us. You can message us. You can talk to us on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram. Yeah, follow us on Instagram. Talk uh, to us there. Yeah. Yeah. Huda is at Sushi Vigilante and I'm at Little Daggers if you want to talk to us more about anything also. Yeah. Yes, with that, goodbye everybody. Goodbye. Bye bye. <laughs>